Welcome to Career Tipper Podcast, hosted by Michelle Beatty. The Career Tipper Podcast is a motivational resource that shares career and entrepreneurial tips by industry experts that will help amazing people evolve to their professional best. And now your host, Michelle Beatty. Episode 31 of the Career Tipper Podcast features Daniela Green. Daniela went to college on a scholarship for mechanical engineering at age 15. She graduated with a degree in mechanical industrial engineering from Lamar University. She started her career in the oil industry as a project planner and was promoted into project management. After several successful project executions, a few years later, she worked her way to the Director of Business Development over LNG Projects in Australia. Before 30, she moved into the executive leadership, overseeing major LNG projects in Australia. During this episode, Daniela is going to share insight on launching and navigating a career or business in the oil and gas industry. I'm your host, Michelle Beatty, professional development author and coach. Daniela, welcome to the Career Tipper podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited and I'm really grateful that you opened up a platform for me. Oh, your voice needs to be heard. I think that you're going to share some wonderful information to create aha moments for people that want to have a career in oil and gas or really think about maybe doing a career change into the industry. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing your time and your expertise with us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Let's get ready. Let's go. Okay. Now, what was the experience or opportunity that connected you to launching your career in the oil and gas industry? Um, First things first, uh, it started in high school. I was actually a part of an engineering program at uh, LV Hightower here in Houston, Texas. Uh, They have a wonderful engineering program for high school students, and it gave me the opportunity to intern at an oil and gas company called Floral. Um, No one in my family had graduated from a four-year university, so that was a big deal for my family. Uh, They stood behind me in that and supported me all the way, Um, and so I took that route into engineering, and that's what started that fire early on. I was raised to always be open to learn and seek knowledge, and my grandparents instilled a very strong work ethic in me at an early age, which is how I got to graduate at 15. So we were always a part of the summer sessions to kind of get me through um, high school as quick as possible. Um, It's very impressive to colleges when minorities graduate at an early age. It heightens your chances of getting a full ride. And so my grandparents found that out, and we kind of made that the plan, and we worked it. (laughs) Love it. Now, when did you know you wanted to become a trailblazer in the industry and help others do the same? What made me want to climb that ladder so aggressively, um, I saw how many how how many leaders were able to change things for their families in my industry, and more important, their community. And they were a part of something called generational wealth. Uh, many people in the industry who have been in oil and gas for years, uh, they were brought in because of family members or being connected to the right people. And because of that, they were able to get into these companies that's really hard to get into. So that's what made me want to start that in my family, Um, first to graduate from a four-year university. And so being surrounded by uh, what you would call nepotism and seeing how that contributes to generational wealth is what made me want to become really aggressive with climbing the ladder. Um, I remember being invited to an investor's meeting 
for a small oil and gas company uh, that was up and coming here in Houston. And all of the people in that room were somehow related or connected to each other uh, through family or friends or networking. And no one looked like me. I was the only female and the only person of color in that room. And that moment was a game changer for me. I realized that it's very hard to find these wealth conversations and opportunities in our community. And it's not just color people, uh, people of color who are affected, but women in general. We don't have a seat at the table and we don't have a voice. There's no representation there. And so that's what set that fire early on for me to fight for my way to the top so that I can create that uh, visual representation for what's not there. Fantastic. Now, Daniela, what are a few professional development lessons that you learn that you encourage your industry peers to keep in mind as they develop in their role? Most important, networking and mentorship is everything. I can't stress that enough. You know, don't ever forsake or slack up on connecting to people. You have to know how to treat people and how to approach them. Uh, when I say networking, I don't mean trying to connect to people with a title. That's more of being an opportunist. I mean, just simply being careful how you talk to and treat people, period. You never know who or what someone may be connected to. Um, a lot of people at the top, they won't connect to you if you don't have anything to offer them. So even in networking, you have to understand you have to work your way up. Uh, do an inventory on your talents every year and your skill sets to fully be able to communicate and tell people what you can bring to the table and the relationship when you're looking to network with people. Uh, you don't want to just call people up and always be the person in need. You want to also be able to offer something. And so by doing that inventory, you're always able to effectively communicate what you can bring to the table. And uh, I mentioned mentorship. Be open to that. Um, most people join cliques or social circles at work out of comfort and familiarity. Um, I would encourage you not to do that. Speak and go to lunch with people in other departments. Go to lunch with different people who you wouldn't normally befriend. It's business. Um, all of my promotions started with conversations with people who I decided to just strike up conversation with or go out of my way to introduce myself to. Um, I always knew opportunities coming up before they announced it because I was always constantly networking and getting to know people uh, within that company. And when I connected to leaders who really saw my energy and they liked me, I was okay and comfortable with asking them to mentor me. So always being open to learn and to receive mentorship and watching how you network and making sure you're open to all the opportunities that are around you. Do you believe in networking across? Do you feel that there's power in networking across? Absolutely, it is. Um, I think we forget you know, some people say, oh, I've been in my company for five or 10 years. If you've been in your company for five and 10 years or to 10 years, everyone in leadership and other departments should know your talent. You should have communicated that to them somehow. Uh, you should know other people outside of your department. And so many people just stay in comfort zones. That's an opportunity to network and build your uh, connections up. Many of the connections I use today in my business, all of these people came from the companies that I worked at. Love it. Now, what insight do you have for professionals wanting to make a career change into the oil and gas industry? Make sure you first understand the basics about the industry as it can be very complicated and a little bit hard to learn. And I would encourage you to join a LinkedIn group 
um, that's specifically for people new to the industry to learn as much as you can. This can help you figure out what certifications or roles you can apply for that already align with the skill set you currently have. Um, secondly, reach out to people already in the industry with similar backgrounds. And I think LinkedIn is a golden tool that many people don't fully utilize. Those LinkedIn groups are full of valuable information, people who are ready to answer questions for you and even reach out to some recruiters. They'll be happy to see if they can place you into the industry uh, doing something you already do, maybe in the medical field or in the tech industry. Expound upon that, please. Um, sometimes if, if you have a legal background or if you did corporate law for maybe a retail chain, I've seen this happen. There's a young lady who I uh, mentored. She went to school for, uh, in the legal field and she is a corporate lawyer for Forever 21. And so basically she was over securing contracts and with new vendors and over managing global opportunities and global contracts. Um, and so we pretty much introduced her to a few recruiters and they pretty much needed her to do the same thing with the business development department here in Exxon. And so she, because of networking and reaching out to recruiters and them understanding her skill set fully, she was able to transition over because she was pretty much doing the same thing in a different industry. And so that's what I mean by reaching out to recruiters, because sometimes they can tell you like, hey, that's the same thing we do in this industry. You would probably have to brush up on a few things and learn a little bit more. But a lot of the things that people do now can align with some of the positions that are in oil and gas. IT security is one. If you come from the tech industry, uh, you can probably go into um, IT uh, with oil and gas because they're always expanding and looking for new ways to communicate uh, software rollouts and things of that nature. Thank you for sharing that. It's uh -huh. awesome. Now, Daniela, what are a couple of communication and soft skill tips that you encourage professionals to keep in mind when working with colleagues in a global work environment? Because you, your, your work environment is global, so please share some insight. Sure. The first thing I would say I admire in a leader or a person as far as communication and um, soft skills is learning emotional intelligence. I would highly encourage you to learn, study, and research emotional intelligence. Um, many people call it EI. Um, if you manage your emotions and communication effectively, you have an ability to manage the emotions of others. And that's what solid leaders are able to do. They are so good at keeping their emotions in place, not getting emotional and you know, getting upset with the people if their people are angry and they learn how to communicate effectively. And that through that, you learn that you literally can control the way people respond to you. And that is really important in a global work environment. You need to learn how to really keep a handle on your emotions uh, because you are dealing with so many different personalities. And it's easy to lose your grip as a leader if you can't first manage your emotions. Uh, secondly, I would encourage you to know your audience. The industry is changing constantly. So take that time to learn and read about um, how that relates to millennials. Millennials operate completely different than uh, baby boomers, and this creates a huge communication gap. And so if you learn how to understand and identify the way millennials connect and the way they respond to leadership and change, versus how baby boomers respond to leadership and change. You can kind of bridge that gap and know what to expect so you won't be caught off guard. Um, know who you're working with and their style of communication. I think that's the most important. 
Yes, that emotional intelligence. Yes, very important. Because we can easily fall into a place where if you respond emotionally, you now fall into a stereotype of a woman being too emotional or even worse. And so that's why I tell people to get a grip on your emotional intelligence. High five. <laughs> High five. <laughs> now, what is your, now grit? I love to always ask different people about grit and their career grit, you know, their tenacious spirit. So, what is your career grit strategy to having career longevity in the oil and gas industry? Um, first things first is something I didn't even learn in college. I learned from my mom always have a goal and a plan in place for yourself, your life, and your uh, career, for your family for your career, for, for your education, for your spiritual development, physical, having a plan in sight and having goals for yourself, write that out and have it somewhere where you can see it on a day-to-day basis and then bring that into your workplace. Also, if you're a leader, always challenge and encourage your team to develop goals. This keeps everyone clear as to what their primary focus should be, which is on themselves. And it's good to write things out and have it somewhere visible. Um, this keeps you and everyone focused on what the goal of the team is and how they contribute to that. And it also is a nice and friendly way to keep people in their lane. And when failures arise, I take a moment to do a small lessons learned and I develop that into a plan of action. And then I actually work that into my resume and sell it to another company as a solution. And so I just call that hustle. So if you went through failures in your career or maybe you were a project manager and you had a bad uh, budget blown or anything that allowed you to experience a major failure in your career, don't be embarrassed by it. Embrace it and take that and sell it to another company or to the company you're with now because that gives you expertise in that area. You know the worst case scenario and you can position yourself as a solution. Uh, when you see your failures as golden and understand that they are full of very vital and key information, you can use that for future opportunities and to position yourself as an expert in that area, even if you failed in it, because you already know the worst case scenario. This is true. Now, I know that you've already shared some little tidbits and suggestions on how to network in the industry. Now, I want to just expound a little bit more on positioning yourself as, you know, you just mentioned the solution once you have been through it, the solution. So how can you network offering yourself as a solution to different companies and colleagues as a consultant or a potential hire? Um, One of my mentors was a part of Enron and she was in leadership. Now, most people who left Enron kind of wanted to blot that out their resume because of the horrible meltdown that that company experienced on a public uh, forum. And what she did was pretty much what I she taught me everything I know. She pretty much told everyone this. I know the worst case scenario of what exactly can happen when we lie to our stakeholders and when we're not disclosing the full truth. I know how to package what's going wrong to communicate that to the stakeholders to where they understand what's going on, but they understand we have a plan in place and to build trust. And so when she would pitch to other companies that, you know, she was looking for another VP role, when she would pitch to other companies and she would take that failure with Enron and let them know that, you know, if you don't want your company to turn into what happened there, I can pretty much tell you what actually went wrong there because I was there, I saw it firsthand and teach you how to avoid that. And she even used that to negotiate more in her salary. 
And I'll be honest, I've taken that same step uh, with um, my career. I was a part of a company that had huge failures in um, project management, and they blew their budget by about $60 million. And this caused the company to go through a huge um, layoff period. And there was a major company here in Houston called Bechtel that bought them out. And for me being a part of that company, watching it literally fall apart, and then being offered an opportunity to go to the other company that bought us out, I learned a lot about the legal side. And so what I started offering uh, companies when I would be in an interview for a business development director is to just basically tell them, I know how to position your company in a place where even if you blow your budget, we could still make a profit by selling off parts of the company to the, con the major uh, client that has the contract in place with what we call in the oil and gas industry, the owner operator, that's a Shell or Exxon or any major uh, oil company that has the projects. And so by me taking a company that I was with and taking that failure and those lessons learned and saying that not only can I come in as a business director, but I can also come in as a recovery specialist. I can teach your team how to do forensics when, when, when things go left. Um, I was able to renegotiate my salary and my package um, above what they were initially offering because I came with way more than what was on paper. And so that's why I tell people not to shy away from those failures. If you were a part of a company that had a huge failure, shine in that and stand in it. You survived it and you're still on the market and you come with an inside knowledge of what exactly happened and what went wrong. And so when a company is doing a risk analysis, you can offer solid mitigation plans to put in place. And that is something that is very hard to find. <laughs> Fantastic nuggets. Fantastic nuggets. Now, Daniela, I know that you're big, really huge on giving back and you've launched your own professional development resource, Slaypedia. Please mm -hmm. share the details of all that you offer through Slaypedia because you offer a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Um, so sure. Let's go through it. I specialize in the development and legal planning of small businesses uh, looking to secure contracts with major oil companies and gas companies um, in the oil and gas industry. And so some of those companies offer technologies that can help find uh, issues before they occur with pipeline. Uh, if the pipeline is showing signs of cracking or too much pressure in one area, you may offer a service where you can go out and what they call uh, measuring it or doing maintenance or modernization projects, you may offer that type of service. You may all have an engineering firm or you may have a cleaning company where you're just looking to get contracts with maybe cleaning uh, the comp being the on the janitorial uh, team at a part of that company. So, so many buildings here in Houston are popping up left and right and they hire companies who have a janitorial staff. And so I just pretty much work with companies from all types of backgrounds who are looking to secure uh, major contracts. The first thing I do is figure out how I can position them to get in the door. And the main thing that I pretty much lean on because I work with a lot of minorities is the tax cuts and incentives that the government offers huge corporations when they do business with minorities. And so by positioning them in a way that they can actually get a tax cut and they offer a service that's needed, I'm usually able to get them into the door and get that conversation going, which is pretty hard to do. Um, secondly, I offer professional development, 
with individuals who are trying to move into leadership roles and teaching them interviewing strategies for those leadership roles. Because when you interview for a leadership opportunity, that is a completely different ballgame from your average interview. So making sure you're comfortable with panel interviews, with those hard questions, making sure you learn how to ace them and answer those questions effectively. Um, I also teach how to negotiate salaries and raises. Um, anything that minorities statistically show being weekend, I offer classes on my website that offer a solution to help you develop that and make it a core. Fantastic. Now, mindset strategies is something I, I've heard you talk about on your podcast, Laypedia. Please share why it's important to amplify wealth conversations for people in your community based on what you've learned from working in the oil and gas industry. I know you touched about touched on it a little bit earlier, but please, I want to continue that part of the conversation. Sure, sure. Um, if you view leadership, wealth, or growing in any type of way as impossible, you have a tendency to speak a very limited language, and you probably hang around a lot of limited people in your life. Um, I like what Tim Ferriss said. He's really an amazing author, and I encourage people to read all his books. Uh, Tim Ferriss said, you are, the sum, you are your top five. You're the sum of the top five people. If all the people in your circle, the top five make less than 50,000, that's pretty much the average of your income. Um, if you're around people who don't really want to grow or they're stagnant or it's just a comfort zone, that's pretty much the sum of you. And so by hanging with people who are bigger, better, faster and stronger than you or someone who's trying to grow towards a goal or people who, are, who just want more out of life, you'll have a tendency to shift your mindset and to shift the way you view your future. And so that's what I mean when I say mindset setting. It's not just so much the mind, it's also your environment, your atmosphere, who you communicate with and what you receive into your space. I'm real, real big on like the language you use because it literally can plant the seed of success or failure. You can speak that into existence by the language you use. I can't do this or, oh girl, that seems impossible. If, it, if you say it is, then it is. But if you view those things as something that you can actually conquer and you keep speaking that into the atmosphere and you keep speaking on that and you keep being consistent with that language, it has a tendency to show and bear fruit in your life. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> now, please tell us about specialized consulting that you offer in business development and launching strategies for minority owned companies and oil and gas a bit more because I know that you just mm -hmm. shared it, but I know there's more there's more layers to it. Sure, it is. Um, understanding how to approach major corporations, how to position your services um, as a vital necessity is very important. Uh, they get approached by companies all the time. And so you always want to take an angle of legal strategy. And the reason why I use that is because corporations don't respond to, you know, this is what I offer. I want to work with you guys. Yeah, they have a thousand people they can choose from that offer services probably uh, even cheaper than what you offer. And they can always find it cheap outside of the U.S. And so what makes you so golden? When you're able to understand government regulations, paying attention to Wall Street, uh, FERC is uh, the, the part of the federal government that regulates pipeline. If you understand that FERC is offering incentives for them to work with minorities, if you understand the things that FERC is putting into place and you pay attention to that, and then you write that into your company's vision or your statement, when you pitch to them, you automatically have their attention when you start mentioning how you can help them with better communication with and dealings with uh, government regulations 
or the legal aspect of preventing um, public meltdown or, or something. Maybe they, like PG&E, when they had the pipeline explosions, a lot of companies had the opportunity to work with them because they were able to position in their business plan how they can avoid them facing another legal issue like that again. And so when you start using that language of government regulations and how you can help them avoid certain legalities, they're more likely to want to work with you. And that's pretty much how I help small companies get in the door. Oil and gas companies are heavily regulated. So that's pretty much music to their ears. Thank you so much. You've shared some great nuggets about the oil and gas industry, and I hope that it is game changing for at least one of the listeners. Now, Mm -hmm. thank you for being a guest. And it's just it's just the way we end every episode. I would love for you to share one of your favorite quotes or affirmation that keeps you creating career tipping moments. So a man thinketh, so he is. Uh, That's not only biblical, but it's in the book I read every year called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, I believe everything starts in your mind first. Uh, You have more control over your environment than you realize. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Now, please share how the listeners can get in touch with you, Daniela. I'm available um, on Facebook. It's simply Slaypedia. Um, Instagram, you can find me at Slaypedia and send me a DM and start that conversation that way. You can also email me at Slaypedia, I'm sorry, Slaypedia at gmail.com or you can take the route that most people take. Go to Slaypedia.com, go to the bottom of the page and fill out that contact form. We usually return uh, emails within 24 to 48 hours. Fantastic. And you can find me, Michelle Beatty, at careertipper.com and on Facebook and Instagram at careertipper and on Twitter at careertipper1. Listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode or any other episode of the Career Tipper podcast, please leave a five-star review on iTunes for us. Until next time, be confidently you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Career Tipper podcast. We're grateful for our listeners and guests. For more resources about how to evolve to your professional best, share your comments and feedback about this episode and your suggestions for future guests, visit careertipper.com. Until next time, be confidently you.